Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all, it's Alante, and you're listening to Black and in Grad School, the podcast that helps women and people of color like you excel in this journey. If you're listening, I believe you are an aspiring or current scholar who wants to successfully navigate this process by sharing my experience while pursuing my PhD and interviewing other Black graduate students or early career professionals. It is my hope that you can glean encouragement, advice, and strategies that you can apply to your journey. Thanks for listening. Hey, y'all, it's Alante back again with another episode of Black and in Grad School. And I am so, so excited today because we have a really, like, awesome guest. We're going to be talking to Dr. Marina Robinson-Snowden, who is a woman of wears many hats and of many things. And I think she really has done a lot of amazing work in her space and also just as a representative for like black women in STEM. And so Marina, welcome to Black and in Grad School. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, absolutely. So there are, again, like I said, so many amazing things about Marina, but something that you probably saw her on your Instagram feed, your Twitter thread, (laughs) something is that she was the first black woman to earn a PhD in nuclear engineering from MIT, which I think is super awesome. But the reason I get more excited is because she got her Bachelor's in, uh, of Science of Physics from Florida A&M mm-hmm. University. Love a good HBCU, fellow <laughs> HBCU grad in STEM. So that part I thought has always really awesome and important. She is a firm supporter of historically black colleges and universities as an irreplaceable aspect of the black American experience. I cannot agree more. And she currently lives in D.C. where she works on nuclear weapon modernization issues. And when she's not thinking about nukes, she's likely D.C. thrift shopping or kicking her own butt at the gym, which is awesome. Or binge watching on Netflix with her best friend and husband, Reggie Snowden. So awesome. So amazing to have you. And so my first question for you is... When you sat down at your first class at FAMU, did you know that you would come out the other end with a PhD? In <laughs> Absolutely not, Alante. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I think more often than not, a lot of people don't expect that for themselves either. Sure. You know? Like, I think we often have this story of, you know, the STEM PhD. You kind of think about this person who knew from the beginning that they loved this field and there was this was their passion and they spent all their time staring at the stars or whatever the case may be, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but I think there's a good portion of us that just kind of find our way every day and take mm-hmm. kind of the opportunities as they come and try to, you know, connect the dots. But it's not like we see the bigger picture from day one, you know? Right. So, um, definitely not. I, I applied to FAM originally as a business administration major. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, that's what I was accepted into. But when mm-hmm. I 
did my college visit and it's really my dad he was the one that had this foresight because okay you know he's a very practical man you know he mm-hmm. raised kids on his own so you have to have some practicality with that and he had kind of a mutual friend in the in the physics department um he's an attorney by trade okay and, uh but took me up there you know they were they were like oh your daughter's taking physics you should bring her to fam so we can meet her mm. so he did and you know, they really convinced us that this is something that I should, well, really convinced him that this okay. is something that I should pursue and yeah. that I could really do something with this and really got him excited about it. And then I just remember on the ride back from Tallahassee to Miami, he was just like, he literally said, he was like, Marina, you know, I can't do one equation, but I feel like this physics thing is the wave of the future. And wow. <laughs> and I just think that's such a funny statement now, because, you know, people have been doing physics forever. But right, he, right, right. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, it's not really a futuristic thing. But, you know, he's right. kind of thinking more on the lines of you could do something with this. You know, mm-hmm. you could make a, make, a, make a space for yourself. So, I mean, I'm always... I've always kind of been the type of person who's down to try anything, you know, at least Love it. give it a shot. So you mm-hmm. give it a shot and then you, you kind of, like I said, you take it one day at a time, but yeah, it definitely didn't come with any type of grand strategy on my first class. No. Sure. 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 And I love that. I think you really gave us so much like truth in our experiences for a lot of us. Yeah. Not everyone wakes up knowing like, I'm going to be, you know, a professor at this place and I'm going to get this PhD. So Tell me then like that, that like pivotal moment in this day by day, in these opportunities that led you down this path. So, you know, there were so many moments, I think, that Mm -hmm. really opened up doors. It wasn't, so it wasn't like there was like this one day the clouds opened up and Jesus came down with the burning bush and told me that I was like, it wasn't anything like that. It was more so, you know, I had different people in my circle and in my life who would give me little nuggets of advice Mm -hmm. and you know you learn through your life what advice to take and what advice to leave and you know the first I think the first piece of advice that kind of charted my course there was an upperclassman when I was a I guess I was a freshman or a sophomore Mm -hmm. and his name was Kevin Robinson no relation but he you know (laughs) always gonna be my 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 play cousin sure Um, because he definitely started this trajectory for me. He had done the MIT summer research program as an undergrad um, and came back to campus and was just so amped about his experience and was just speaking so highly of it and how it changed his life and all this different kind of stuff. And I was like, you know, I was happy for him, but I, as he was telling the story, it's not like I was thinking like, Ooh, I should apply to that. I was just like, that's great. That's wonderful. And he, he, he's the one that told me, he said, Marina, you should apply. And I was like, boy, please. Like, you know, <laughs> like, anybody going to MIT around here? And he, and he was like, no, for real, I'm serious. Like, you have what it takes. Like, you should, you should apply. And that was my first introduction to even the option of MIT at like an undergrad level, just doing this, the internship program. So I yeah. did. That was the only summer internship application I submitted because I wasn't really see. I was just not that I was playing around, but you know, you just, you shoot it out there and you see what happens. Mm-hmm. But I was fully prepared to get rejected. You know, I was fully prepared to, mm-hmm. cause you know, when you hear MIT, you just think a different class of people. So, um, but then they, girl, they messed around and accepted me. And I was, <laughs> I was just as surprised as anybody else. 
and um and that was really I would say the the first um instant instance that kind of introduced me to the university and introduced me to this idea of graduate school in STEM because before that I wasn't thinking about it at all you know like not Mm -hmm. seriously I really didn't know what I was doing with this physics thing I was just kind of like I said taking it day by day um so I would I gotta definitely give a shout out to Kevin Robinson yes all right shout out to the other Robinson the other physics uh, right 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 Robinson that's awesome (laughs) um and so I know that you have like an amazing story through the journey and um I really want to encourage you all to go listen to the well grammar podcast she's on the most recent episode it's called my stem best friend where she sat down with Joy Marie Johnson and they talked about their experience supporting each other through grad school. Yeah, go best friend, go best friend. Shout <laughs> to both the podcast and to Joy Marie Johnson. Absolutely. So, yeah, I really want you all to listen to it. Um, but what we can talk about, what I think would be really interesting is, you know, like I said earlier, you were on, I feel like, you know, I follow, you know, the HBCU grad stuff, the grad and then the grad school line. So like my social media timeline was like full of, you know, meet the first black woman with her PhD for engineering at MIT. Amazing. Um, and I wanna know like how that experience being really um I feel like highlighted isn't really like encompassing all that happened and it's mm-hmm. but you know, that that almost almost like you know like a stem celebrity how did that inner influence your navigation like post phd mm, that's a really interesting question so uh, so I, first of all I, I appreciate everything you said this is this is um still it's still a very awkward space i think for okay. me mm-hmm. personally because i don't think i don't think anybody in stem or steam or anything like that intends to kind of be a public figure in that way right like in the lab you're trying to do this data analysis you're trying to do these problem sets so for so long you spend so much time not necessarily in isolation but you're you're so you're focused on these singular tasks you know yes um and there's other disciplines and other um topics where there is a more public facing side to it, right? Mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm. if you are communications or journalism, right? Like you're more um, accustomed and I guess familiar with being being the subject, you know? Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, but that was really, it took a lot of um, getting used to, like I was so appreciative and surprised and overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the reception, you know? And I mean, it's just, it shows that like the community is, so supportive, yes, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Like we see something that edifies us and that shows our brilliance and our excellence, and mm-hmm. you know, just the the social media platforms themselves have given us all these avenues to celebrate that and to create our own narratives and to own our stories and these type of things. So to be a part of that in a way was was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was really important for me to remember that I didn't get in this for that type of attention. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you love that. Atten- I mean, you, you, you appreciate the attention when it comes. Um, but you have to keep the main focus, the main focus, which mm-hmm. has always been like developing myself as a subject matter expert, as a researcher, you know, like you have your own internal metrics mm-hmm. as to how you, how you measure success or value, 
your work, you yeah. know? So where you appreciate the love and support and it definitely sustains you and can pick you up, you can't put too much weight into into it, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. also you're going to have these moments in your career, you know, throughout our careers where you're going to have really productive periods where you, you, you know, you're producing research or things like that, that people are noticing. And then you have times in your career where you have to kind of fall back again and build, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, you're out of the spotlight. You're out of presentation mode. You're in hustle mode, right? Mm-hmm. And those are a lot quieter times and you have to be comfortable in both, you know? So, um, so I think in terms of shaping the way I've thought about my professional life after graduation, um, it's really just been trying to make sure that I remember why I got into this, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. keeping those priorities first and foremost and always being appreciative and grateful. But like I said, making sure that I'm making decisions because this is the vision I see for myself versus the vision that other people see kind of on the horizon for me. You sure. Know? Sure. So with your, like, I I think that you really made a really key point is like remembering your why you had your why, regardless of, you know, if everyone found out or if you and your crew knew, you know, that you were getting this work done and making this really momentous um, stride. And so with that in mind, what why did you decide to do the fellowship you did and then where you're at now? Why'd you decide to make that, that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like I said, I didn't have any grand strategy when I came into this STEM thing. Sure. In the first so I've been trying to find my way mm-hmm. the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. Like trying to figure out what actually, um, do you enjoy Marina? What actually are you interested in? And it's not always been the easiest exploration. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You have to be honest with yourself, but it requires, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to try a bunch of things, right? So yeah. people may not understand your logic, but you know what you're doing. You mm-hmm. know how these pieces fit together, even though they may not be, you know, clear to everyone else. So for me, when I came out of the PhD program, the first question I really had was like, do I actually enjoy research? Mm-hmm. You know, like I've been doing research for 10 years at this point, if you combine undergrad and grad. Yeah. And there's a difference between doing something because you, um, because you actually enjoy it versus doing something because you're familiar with it, you know, mm-hmm. and you're comfortable in that space. So for me, it was really important that I challenged just that. I like that. I explored that question, you know, like, when I left the PhD program, it was really important for me to for me to probe that question for myself and to figure out, do I actually like research or am I just familiar with it and mm-hmm. comfortable in this space? And, and you know, I also, the question kind of came from the fact that I have a lot of diverse interests, mm-hmm. like interests and skills, right? So, you know, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy presenting information. There's a lot of things you can do in the STEM space that are not necessarily at the la- at the bench mm-hmm. yeah. or in the lab. So trying to see what those things actually feel like, um, what the culture of those organizations are. And you'll get so much um, advice, quote unquote, from people. Sure. Um, who have never actually been in these institutions. You know, people will try to tell you, 
well, the government is like this, or think tanks are like that, or academia is like this, and you've never spent one day in those mm, places. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always been important that I'm able to filter, like I said, that type of advice. So leaving grad school, I was like, I want to get some tangible experience in these spaces that I've always been interested in, yeah. in you know, motivated by the idea that I'm trying to figure out where I want to land, you know, mm-hmm. and the first two years coming out of the PhD, you know, people typically do a postdoc. And the, if you're going to do a technical career, whether it's in academia or the national labs or whatever. Um, and I looked at that time as this, you know, the purpose of a postdoc is to explore, right? Yeah, right. Explore, but not, but, and also to build up skills that would allow you to become a principal investigator in a lab, right? In the most right. traditional sense. Mm-hmm. But for me, I said, okay, I'm going to take that same amount of time and allow myself to explore in what I called an unconventional postdoc. So I'm still building skills, but they're across a broader set of dimensions, you know, so it's not just in the lab. So I I went to government for a year um, and worked in the National Nuclear Security Administration, where I got to actually see um, our nuclear weapons arsenal, like go to the labs that design the weapons go to the production facilities in Tennessee and in Kansas city and in Texas and see them assemble and disassemble weapons, take all of the weapon design courses to understand how our nuclear weapons work, the history of why we made different decisions with respect to the arsenal. Like I got a lot of exposure to like real life stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that experience, although it was a, a year long, gave me an insight that people who, like I said, who've never spent time in the government can only speculate on, right? But I know yeah. people there. I have contacts there. I understand how the process works. I understand the connection between Congress and these executive offices, right? Mm-hmm. And how the power of the purse actually, you know, manifests itself in programs that we do or don't pursue, whether it's at the National Science Foundation or the National Nuclear Security Administration, you know? So, so that was very useful experience. I recommend it to anybody. It's called the NNSA Graduate Fellowship Program, just to plug them. It's a wonderful um, opportunity. They take both technical and policy people that are in graduate school or recently graduated from graduate school to do. Um, and nice. you work either in D.C. or in a field office doing actual government work. So that was the first thing I did post-PhD. And I, I went in. You know, you go into these fellowships and I think it's important for you to kind of have the mindset that like you're open to being convinced that this mm-hmm. is like your calling, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, okay. I went in there and I was like, I can, you know, this is the best thing ever. And I don't, you know, I would do this for free. Like, wow. sure, I would have took the job, you know, but, but I, at the end of the fellowship, I was still curious about other fields and other mm-hmm. sectors. So, you know, um, so I, so I continued to explore. So I did. My next stop was um, at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, where I did the Stanton Nuclear Security Fellowship, which is what um, Travis did, our mutual friend. Yes. Oh, oh um, man, I forgot. Shout out to Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Travis, for connecting yes, us. Yes. Big up for Travis. He's the plug. He's yes, the plug. Truly. Um, <laughs> so I met Travis there. He's so sharp, by the mm-hmm. way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... So we're in this fellowship and the purpose of this fellowship is they bring, um, again, technical and policy 
or international relation kind of social scientists into what they perceive as the highest, like are the leading um, analytical institutions on nuclear weapons issues. So for example, Travis is at RAND, the RAND Corporation that does a lot of work in the nuclear security space. I went to the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace in DC. That's equally impactful in the nuclear security space. Uh, And in those roles, you know, I was able to get back to research but it was what they call policy relevant research. So you want to be asking questions and doing analysis on issues that the government will be facing in the next five to 10 years, you know? So trying to give them options that they can consider when the issue arises or when there's political will to actually make a move, you know, you want to have that work already laid out, the analysis already laid out so they can just plug in, not plug and play, but, as close to plug and play as you can get in the government. Right. 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 So um, that was interesting, you know, interacting with uh, government sponsors or government, uh, uh, you know, colleagues trying to socialize ideas that may not be popular in current administration. Um, You know, it's all been very, very interesting, but all of those two stops were really me trying to figure out what is government like, Mm -hmm. what are the things like, how does that compare to my experience in research? You know, so so I, I kind of try to get on the horse, ride it for a little bit, see how I like it, <laughs> and then make a decision after after the fact. I really appreciate you giving us like this this really great like idea. I love the idea of unconventional postdoc and really still maintaining the the exact same outcome as a traditional postdoc. Building, exploring, and then still building skills. Mm-hmm. Um, that is like I'm over here, like blown away. Like, yes, oh my gosh, okay, that is awesome, and a really great option. I think people should consider where if they they feel like they want to explore and they don't have to follow this like very specific path mm-hmm. that a lot of us are groomed for. Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with it. I think it's great and a great option, but. We know what the academic space is like. We have a pretty solid idea of that. We spent the bulk of our time in that space. So if you feel like you want to know about another experience, Marina is just telling you how she just put you on game, how she killed the game, doing her own thing and exploring the way that she wants. Yeah, you can do I mean, but it's worth saying, though, like, yeah. it's not all, you know, it's not all roses sure. in this uncomfortable path, right? Like, it's, and I say that because I, I think, that was what I had to continually remind myself Mm. is when you decide to go against the grain or to try something different. So then it's exciting and it's great and you can learn a lot of stuff, but it's a, it's a less secure path. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you don't necessarily know where this is leading. You don't know the vision. You don't know how the pieces tie together. So you have to kind of trust the process and trust, that it will tie together, right? Like, yeah. like that, you're, that you're making decisions and you're seeking out opportunities that have tangible value to the space, mm-hmm. right? That you can leverage, like thinking about yourself in that way. Like if I do this opportunity, how can I leverage it towards something else? Yeah. Or the best, I had a mentor of mine say something to me that has stuck with me for a while. He said, you know, whatever your next move is, think about what doors it's going to leave open for you mm. to move down the road and what doors it's going to close for you to move down the road. So an example of that is if your eventual vision is maybe getting into academia, 
then you might not want to go immediately into a government position. Because like it or not, the currency in academia still is publication record. Yeah. So you won't be doing a lot of publications in the government. Now you might be able to switch from a government position to an academic position after you've been like an ambassador and you've been working in the government for 30 years, but that's going to take 30 years to build up that credibility. Versus if you know you eventually want to go into academia, maybe you might go into a research think tank or a national lab where you have the opportunity to publish mm-hmm. and build that, you know? So kind of thinking in that way, like, okay, this is a great opportunity, but how do, how could it potentially connect to where I see myself in two or three steps down the road? And you don't have to necessarily know for sure what that third or second or third step is, but what are your inclinations? And based mm-hmm. on those inclinations, you assess this next move. Does it open? What doors does it open? What doors does it close? And then you you decide based on that. Yes. Oh, that was awesome. And I love, thank you so much for sharing that nugget with us about, you know, whatever your next move, what doors will be left open, what doors will be closed. That's, mm, that's the word. Shout out to your mentor. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're excited. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for, for that. I feel like, honestly, you gave us so much about how to think about what we're doing next and how we can transition and you know really I think that again taking an inventory and then deciding to explore is really really critical um because mm-hmm. I'm about to kind of get ready for that transition out of like I'm like wow I'm getting closer to the end shout out to you Alante girl <laughs> yeah I got a little bit I got a little bit before the home home stretch, but I see it like, okay, I need to like really figure out what I'm doing next. And so I think that for those of us who are getting into that space or who are in that space right now or know that it's coming in the future, you know, we have things now that we can kind of think about and know that also we have more options. And I think you did say there might be a little bit of a higher risk, but I will argue it's going to have a high reward because it sounds like... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If, you, if you're strategic and you... If you're strategic and you're consistent, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you got to be consistent with seeking out those opportunities. But I would also say, you know, for you, Alante, and anybody else who's in your position who is who is thinking about, okay, now it's time for me to really strategize Mm -hmm. one of the things that I think this experience has taught me is how how important your gut actually is Mm. in this process like you and I think coming out of the PhD program for as much as as much as you learn in the PhD program you come out kind of like demoralized a little bit Mm. you know Mm -hmm. because so much time trying to prove yourself Mm -hmm. right trying to prove that you know this and prove that you're the expert on this and no matter and and, you know to some degree the system is set up for you never to quite feel like you're the expert you know like there's always some question that a professor can ask you that is going to get you and you're not Mm going to have it right yeah but the real world don't work like that right everything is not a qualifying exam yeah you know what I'm saying so like (laughs) yeah so so um and 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 you can leave graduate school kind of doubtful of like what do I actually know? Like, what what can I say? And what what we do know without the shadow of a doubt is you know yourself, right? Like, like damn your discipline. Like, you're the only person who really knows when you're actually satisfied, when you're actually fulfilled, when you're actually content, or on the opposite side, when you're stressed or you're anxious or you're nervous or you're not happy, right? 
and you're going to go into these professional spaces and you have to listen to those cues within yourself as well, because those cues, that's your gut, you know, and your gut is going to lead you, I say 60% of the way, you know, and then the rest of it is going to be seeking out consultations and solicitations from other people, from, from trusted advisors and following up and that kind of thing. But, you know, people will give you all kinds of advice. And I think some of the decisions that I've made, um, I didn't necessarily know how it was going to work out, but I knew that me being excited was like a signal. Like my body was telling me something, you know what I'm saying? Like when I decided to move to Johns Hopkins, this is my most recent position. Um, I didn't know a lot about the group. I didn't know a lot about the projects I'd be working on. But something about the work, I just was really excited about being able to get back into the lab, get back into technical work, like really dig deep into broader security issues. Like I was excited and that excitement was a compass. So as you're doing, as you're assessing all these different options, because girl, you gonna have options on options on options. They're going to be beating the door down for you. So you need to keep in touch with that inner, um, that inner instinct that tells you kind of this is this is how you feel about these opportunities and factor that into your evaluation process as well. Free game from Dr. <laughs> Marina. Oh, Marina, thank you so much. Do you have any like last piece of advice that you want to share with current, you know, women and black graduate students, people of color who are in the process or in their journey? Um, I mean, I think I think we've covered a lot of really good oh, stuff yeah. and I, I really appreciate you Alante for for the effort because I know you, not only I mean you got a whole full-time job trying to get your PhD and for you to do this as a service to the culture you know mm-hmm. like this is you know not a small thing and I appreciate the effort um I think the last thing I would say is and people may or may not agree with this this was a motivating factor for me sure. But I think that we have to think about our PhDs, particularly people of color and particularly black people and particularly black women. Mm-hmm. Okay, We have to think about our place in this space as so much bigger than us and not frame it as a burden or a weight that we're carrying, but more so as like we're a part of a support structure, mm-hmm. right? Like for all of us, right? So like, Alante, you're supporting me. Like your your success is a data point for me in the same way that I'm supporting you, mm, right? Yeah. And if one of us decides to break or to fold, the whole support structure is weaker. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like we gotta stand up strong for each other, and not you know definitely in advocacy and all that, but just in showing up in our own damn lives. Yes. Like you gotta you gotta fight. You gotta don't let no man put your back on the ground. You know mm. like. We got to finish what we start because we're all looking at each other and we're all looking at each other for inspiration and for a data point and evidence to say that, like, I could do that, too. You know, and all of us are looking at everybody else. And that's the message we need to take from that observation is not envy or jealousy. It's like, like that's my sister and I like, I'm happy for her and, and, and I'm, I'm right behind her. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. And this is what we do for the culture. So, you know, it, it can feel like a pressure, but I've always seen it as like inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't lay down. I can't slack. Cause I got cousins looking at me. I got homegirls looking at me, you know, and I'm looking at them, yep. you know, so we all got to hold each other up in that kind of, uh, in that architecture. 
you know, Absolutely. if that makes sense. That makes complete sense. And I think that, I think that you, you just captured it perfectly. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that was such a great way to like wrap up this talk. I know that I have gotten so much from this and I know that everyone listening has as well. And so you already know what it is, y'all. It's time for my favorite part. It's time for lessons from the trap. Marina, what do you have for us? Oh my goodness. So this was definitely a curveball for me. Mm -hmm. This was a a, a positive curveball. So you asked me to look for a trap song that I had a lesson in. Okay. So I I didn't know if this qualifies as trap. So I'm from the South. I'm from Miami. And, um, you know, I went to Florida Mm A&M University, which is like basically South Georgia, North Florida (laughs) and South Florida, very different. But, um, you know, if I, when I think about like, songs that motivate me yeah. get me you know what i'm saying the first song i think about is uh pastor troy we ready yes <laughs> <laughs> that's my jam you heard it a little bit earlier when i was changing positions um but if you want to get hype if you want to get you know i personally feel like pastor troy is a philosopher mm. i don't think we give him enough credit if you go back and you listen to vice versa and you listen to the lyrics, you know, he's really asking some very deep questions, mm. you know. <laughs> okay, Pastor I think his father was a pastor, like an actual pastor. Okay. So he has a really interesting story, really smart guy. But that song, We Ready, like, if you want to get gully, like you got an advisor who's just trying your life and you just need to be amped because you're about to go into this meeting or something, and you gotta fight. Like, there's no song for me that gets me more ready to go than Pastor Troy's "We Ready." Yes. So, <laughs> so I hope that inspires somebody's heart this morning. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you can take that word with you, you know, from the past. <laughs> and shout out to Georgia, all them Georgia boys. You know, I mean, every all, just the whole Outcast, Ti, Pastor Troy everybody but you know i went to school in tallahassee and when that song comes on in the club it is all hands on deck. Yes. everybody is, is out there you know <laughs> I, I love it i love it and i feel like i even heard a little bit more of your southern twang come out as you started girl it leaps up out me child it leaps up out me i can't help it yeah oh my gosh <laughs> this was so awesome now we are inspired we are motivated from the philosophical pastor troy come on now we ready, we, ready. <laughs> we got we got our free game about how to navigate life you know post PhD and really from like such an inspiring person. So I just want to thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you so, so much. Just, I wish you all the success and um, where can people follow you, interact with you, keep up with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so I'm on, I'm on social. I'm on LinkedIn under my name, Marina Robinson Snowden. Um, I'm on Instagram, M Robinson Snowden, um, and I'm on Twitter, but I'm still working on my Twitter game. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd is working on me, so <laughs> it's on, it's M Robin Snow at on Twitter. Um, but yeah, you can catch me anywhere. And Alante, I hope we keep in touch. Yes. You know, and I'm, I'm really rooting for you, man. I'm rooting for this for this mid mid level and this home stretch. You got this. Thing. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Marina. Thank you. <laughs> no problem.
Thanks again for listening to this episode of Blacken in Grad School. For more content to help you on your grad school journey, check out blackengradschool.com. That's B-L-K-I-N gradschool.com. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, 